what's going on. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. If you are passionate about growth in your business, if you are growing a purpose-driven business and you want access to education, to resources, and to other amazing businesswomen who can help you do it better every single day, then this is the podcast for you. Amber Holly is the CEO of Fremont Counseling Services, who specializes in couples therapy. She's had her company since 2011 and started hiring employees two years later. I recently watched from afar as Amber hired and happily bragged about two amazing new employees and knew that she was in the process of hiring four more. So I asked her to come on the show and share a bit about her process, how she attracts and hires great employees. During this conversation, Amber shares her step-by-step process and intention behind each of those steps. She talks about marketing, streamlined ways of making the position public and letting others know that she was hiring. She talks about the application process, unique things that she does to help weed through all the wrong people. She also talks about hiring, what she focuses on during each interview and how she standardizes them. Also, onboarding, how she ensures her employees ease into their positions. And lastly, mindset, shifting her paradigm of her position in her company as her team grows. This is a fascinating case study, not just of Amber's best practices, but also of all the painful mistakes that she's made, as we all have, that continue to help her evolve as a leader of her company. Side note, Amber is also the owner of CouplesFix.com, where she shares her knowledge and tools as a licensed marriage therapist with a larger world of people who are searching for it. And she's also the co-host of the My Biz Bestie podcast alongside the amazing Melissa Hall, which is such an awesome show for women entrepreneurs. So let's get into this conversation with Amber. Beautiful Amber, how are you, my dear? I'm wonderful. I'm so excited that you're here. (laughs) By the way, as a side note, I love having fellow podcasters on the show because before we started recording, you like hauled over your big mic and like you're ready to go and you're like, yeah, let's do this. I'm like, this is so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping that I can have as almost as good a quality as sound as you. Oh, stop. (laughs) That's the goal goal here. (laughs) That's outsourced sound quality, thankfully. (laughs) Thank you to uh, Emerald City Productions for that. But I'm so happy that you're here. So I reached out to you deliberately because... We've become good friends through you being a part of the Biz Women Rock community. And what I mean by that is like, I get to stalk you on Facebook basically and see inside your life. (laughs) And I saw not so long ago that you were hiring people. You were going through a hiring process for your counseling firm. And I was like, okay, that's really, really cool. You've had employees for 6 years now. And you had this one post that was like, rock on. Great. I found her. You know, This is great. Everything was awesome. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. I want to talk about this. So I wanted to bring you on as a beautiful case study of how to build your team, how to hire. Because this is a big, big pain point with women entrepreneurs. I mean, anyone building a business in general. And so I think that there's just a lot to learn from having had employees for six years and going through that gauntlet of the ups and the downs of really being able to find the right people, hire the right people, keep the right people on, all that good stuff. So I guess I would love to start with... If you could do just a brief explanation of your company and its structure a little bit so we can better understand the conversation. 
Sure. So the company that I'm doing the hiring for is Fremont Counseling Services. And so I'm a licensed therapist and I hire other therapists to work for me. They're, everybody's an employee. So everyone I hire is actually a W-2. And I bring on other therapists with different specialties so that we can best serve like the whole community. And then of course, I have administrative staff. Gotcha. Was it in the early times that you decided that you were going to hire people as employees versus independent contractors? I'd love to know why you made that decision. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. Well, one, the very first person I brought on was an intern. They're called interns, but now they're called associates, which is a better description. It's somebody who already had their degree, but they were gaining hours before licensure because we have to do 3,000 face-to-face hours. And then we have to take two tests and then we become licensed. So she was in that interim period where she's still training. So legally, you have to have them as an employee. But the reality is, I'm in California. It is almost... Unless you're Google and can get away with it. (laughs) You really do have to hire people as employees when they're doing the same type of work as you. There's just a lot of regulation and they're pretty clear about that. The other part is I'm controlling and I like things... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for admitting that. I like admitting it, right? (laughs) Yes. I was like, I want every client to have this same experience. This is what you do. This is how it happens. Like I'm very... I'm controlling in like the best way possible. Absolutely. And I think we should be in when it comes to how we want our business to be run, our customer experience, our internal processes and stuff like that. So I had hoped to create a beautiful contrast between this last hire that you did, which we're going to talk about. And I made the assumption before on our pre-chat, like, oh, the first hire couldn't have been that simple. So let's use that as a contrast. You're like, actually, she was a unicorn. So talk about the first hire. (laughs) Talk about your first hire and what that experience was like. Because my guess is that you had not had hiring experience before. Yeah, not for my own company. Before becoming a therapist, I worked in corporate.com world. And I was the senior manager of internet operations. And so I did actually do hiring. So I had experience. But I will tell you, it's a very different animal when it's for your own business. And so it's just very different. With the Holly thing, which was my very first employee... I got really lucky and I remember still being very ambivalent. Like I had all this overflow. Like I had, mo- I've constant problem for me is having more clients than we do clinicians. And mm. so, I mean, it's a great problem, right? Theoretically. But as we know, as you said, hiring to me is like the number one struggle of having a business because I don't know, I feel like the client part comes easy to me or I, I know like there's so much information about how to do that well. But like you said, getting good people and then retaining them, that's difficult. And so that's been the challenge. And that's where like I think the most growth has happened for sure. Yeah. So that first hire with Holly just ended up working out very beautifully. And like, what did you do right then that you can look back now and say, I did that right on the first go round? So I'm going to liken this to having children. How when somebody <laughs> when somebody has a child and they're like, oh, my child is so well-behaved and listens and is so great. And I'm such a great parent. And then they have their next child who's just a little like more willful. And I'm like, see, it's sometimes it's luck of the draw and personality, not so much what you did. So I always love when people get really cocky about that. All my children are spirited. So <laughs> I was like, I didn't have, have that experience. You use such beautiful soft language to describe that too, by the way. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Not at 3 a.m., but <laughs> but that's the thing. I think sometimes you just really get lucky. And I've seen that because I'm really involved in many therapist groups and other places where people talk about their hires. And they kind of have that like proud parent thing. And I'm like, okay, 
that's great that you got lucky, but there's definitely stuff you do, just like parenting. There's things you do that make a difference, but at the same time, like understand that there are still challenges ahead. And so with her, I think she was just... She actually approached me because I was pregnant. And I was thinking like, I should do this, but I don't really want to. And I wasn't really sure. I was ambivalent about it. I having had people work under me before. I'm like, people are stupid. And like, I don't want to deal with somebody's crap, but she was amazing. And she's like a total Gen Xer, hard worker, honest, amazing person. So I really feel that I just got lucky. <laughs> love it. I love it. Okay. Awesome. So let's dive into one hiring experience, let's say, or it could even be a culmination of a couple different people or a couple different experiences that you fell flat on your butt and were like, oh my God, this was so wrong and can now recognize here's what I didn't do right. Yeah. And I've had a couple of those. So the first go around for hiring somebody for my intake position, which is the person, the first line of defense when clients call in to... They assess every single new client, whether it comes in via email or phone, talks to them, schedules them. Like They're our representative because I'm booked all day. I don't have time to call people back in a timely fashion. And I don't want people who are needing help to not get calls back. So I hired somebody and I just thought they were great. And I went through my hiring process and I really felt like this person is amazing and I felt really good about it. And very quickly, it became apparent that they were not on top of things. And I would say my mistake was I allowed too much flexibility right away. I needed to make them be in the office where I kept saying, you need to come in once a week. And she kept canceling. And instead of having that be like the alarm bells, I just kind of gave more room because I didn't have the bandwidth to deal with it. What ended up happening is she was just deleting emails because she fell behind. And so she wasn't responding to people. Yeah. Oh I know. I even I remember I found one where and then she purged them all, which made a rule that you are not allowed to empty the trash folder in the intake email because I was able to recover some of them. But like somebody had reached out to have me do a speaking engagement and she just deleted it. I was like, all you had to do is forward it to me. Like I don't understand that. Wow. Yeah. So now I've learned things about how to stay on top of that just to make sure. I want to go back to something that you mentioned because I want to identify as a very real thing for a lot of very busy women entrepreneurs who are in the space of like, I need to hire, whether it's your first hire, whether it's your 20th. And I'm like so overwhelmed and busy. That hiring is like a whole nother chunk of my time. And just like you mentioned in that scenario where you had hired and you realize it's not going so well and you didn't have the bandwidth to deal with it. And so I feel like there's this space where it's like things are not going right and you just don't have the bandwidth to deal with it until it's like code red or just gets super like unmanageable or just really, really bad. I just want to honor that space of like, shit, I'm not being the best boss I could be. I'm not being the best business owner I could be. And it's okay in that moment. What was like, what was the thing for you that you were like, finally, like, okay, I have to create bandwidth to deal with this. Like I have to fire, I have to do something. Yeah. So in that first case, it was once I realized she was deleting stuff. Then I was like, okay, it's back on me. And then it took me a long time to have the guts to reach out and find somebody again. Because I was like, oh, I don't want to go through this. But at the same time, I knew I wasn't giving the level of customer service I wanted to to incoming clients. Because again, I'm booked solid. And I wish I could say I learned from that. 
but that is not the case because that was over four years ago. And the next person I hired ended up being my unicorn. Like I, again, I felt really lucky. I feel like I got lucky and I was super grateful. But obviously, I was willing, I still did a process. I knew that I was willing to take a chance on her and she was amazing. But she became licensed and then moved out on her own in October of last year. And so I had somebody else take it over for a little bit. And then I found a company that did it. But I went through the exact same thing. It just got worse and worse and worse. And I just kept going like, I don't have the bandwidth to even deal with this right now. Which I think to me as a business owner speaks to, I need to be cutting back so that I have bandwidth when shit hits the fan because it will. So I went through that. And it wasn't until it was like really painful that... I mean, I knew there was a, a big transition. Like one person moved out of the country, had to let somebody, a therapist go, had another person come and they had to leave for personal reasons. So I lost like three people all in... The, it was going to be at the end of May and I knew I needed a hire and I still did not do it. It just felt overwhelming and I had so much going on and I was just so busy. And then I cut to now where I was like, Oh my gosh, my expenses every month are extremely high. I need to do this. So that's when I wish I had gotten it together a few months earlier, but I finally got my shit together and I just went full bore. Okay. So walk us through this past, this most recent hiring experience. I would love to know your process. Like once you say and make up the decision, I have to hire, I have to bring somebody on. What's your process? What do you go through? Yeah. So what I think I did to help myself this time is I really documented and automated stuff because that was the holdup for me. That's where it was like, Oh my gosh, where do you start? And so like, I'm sure everybody has had this experience where like, okay, one thing was I didn't even post the job on my website. Now, granted my website, I think of it for our clients, but still there are therapists that come there, right? I didn't even have it on there. But I was like, but I paid somebody who's going to be redoing my website. They didn't do it yet. They were supposed to do it a long time ago, which again, I did not have the bandwidth to follow up on. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, well, I need to have the website updated before I can add that. And so finally, I was like, Oh my gosh, just put the freaking job description <laughs> out there. And so I did. So it was like, it was just like not allowing that trickle down thing, which we all have to be the barrier and just say, Nope, this is what I'm doing. And I said to myself, I'm doing one thing every single day towards hiring because it's my most important thing to do every day. I mean, I did more than one a lot of days because I had to, but I wouldn't let myself off the hook without doing one thing. And so even though my actual hiring process, like the interviewing part, I actually had automated that before. But what I did was really automate the like posting a job and where are the places and how do I get the best response and how do I put it out there? And then fine tuning the interviewing process. I want to pause here for a second. When you say you automated those things, what does that mean? Like you created a job description and you knew, okay, I could put that job description in all these places. And now you're documenting where you've actually put that stuff so that you could have that process for the next time. Yeah, sorry. So it's not more automate more than I would say document. So it'd be streamlined. So that way an assistant could go through and do it. Because when everything falls back on me, it doesn't happen. And so that was the thing. I hired five therapists, a clinical supervisor, and a practice coordinator. That's what you were going through this past time. That's how many... Yes. Gotcha. Okay. 
Exactly. So I, it was, I had this hybrid of like an assistant and then like the intake person. So it was kind of like this hybrid job. Well, I ended up finding two amazing people and I hired them both. And so I split the job back up. Nice. <laughs> and so, but the nice thing is this means when one person goes on vacation, I have somebody else to do it instead of it coming back to me, which is always a stressor. So really it was documenting so that it was really streamlined because I know me and like, let's say there's another, like I'm behind in hiring. Which was a narrative I kept telling myself for years. I'm always behind in hiring. I'm always behind in hiring. And I am. Like when I had those four other therapists in February, I was like, oh, I need to hire two more. And I just kept lagging. So this way, it's like, no, all I have to do is do this, like copy and paste, and it's done. Like I don't have to sit and go, like, oh, where am I going to put it? What do I do? So I updated all of the job descriptions, spent some time with that, and have them all saved. I actually made a wiki site. So it's kind of going to serve as like my intranet for especially me and my assistant. So it's like a wiki site is free and it's like Google... You can take your Google Docs, but organize them by category. Nice. And so, yeah, because I tried different programs like Basecamp, which I loved, but trying to figure out how can I do this best. So I created the wiki site so we could host all these documents. So it's like all the job descriptions are there. I added it to my website. I have the places that we post because like Craigslist, we weren't really getting any good response. You didn't even get anything. So it wasn't worth the $75. And then like other places like, okay, I'm going to post it in my alumni group and reach out to these people and kind of doing that. And everywhere I went, I mentioned it. Every networking event I went to, I'd mention I'm hiring because you never know, right? So I think like that, it was really documenting. And then like I said, with the interview process, I updated like my clinical vignettes because we... In my second interview, my first interview is like a get to know you. And so I tell them about me and the company and I get to know them and it's like a personality thing. And then the second one is where I would do more like testing of skills, whether they're clinical or administrative. And that's after a phone screen. So typically, I have my intake person do the phone screen and do the reference checks. But because I didn't have that person, I elected with a lot of them just to skip the phone screen because I really was pressed for time. Got it. So just get them on in. For at least this go-round, there was no sort of mid-step between like them actually applying and being able to come see you for that first interview. Yes, which I would not recommend. However, most people did not pass the application process because I, at the bottom, wrote in, you must do... And I gave instructions. And most people did not follow the directions. Okay, and so, so that eliminated... I- I love it. So I consider that and that's a really important pre-step I think to focus in on, which is having an application process, having it be specific so you have to follow certain rules, right? And it, it, it could be as silly but intentional as like, you know, you always hear the joke about like, the Hollywood contract that has like only green M&Ms in the room type of stuff. Like ma- basically making sure that they're reading it and that they're thorough according to the kind of skills that you want to attract. And so it was not necessarily like, hey, I applied, therefore I'm coming in. It was like, oh, I applied. And oh, if you actually followed through with the application in the way I asked you to, then I will consider having you come on in. Exactly. And normally, like I said, I would not... I think there's a lot of value in the phone screen. I really just had no time. There was no way I was going to schedule that because I see 15 to 18 clients a week. That's an hour. So it's 15 to 18 hours a week, plus everything else that's going on. And I was doing like 9 to 10 hours of interviews a week. Can you talk about the phone screening process that you normally would have and that you're suggesting in the space of like 
what kind of process or checklist type of a thing are you giving to the assistant who would normally have done that? How do you standardize that? Because you're not the ultimate person who's standing over them saying, Oh, yes, that was good. Should we let that person come in? Should we not? So what have you learned in the past to be able to streamline that process because you're not a part of it? Yeah. So what I have them do is when my intake person did it, she would go through... I have five questions or about five questions that are asked in the application. And she would go back through their questions. One, because you're looking for continuity. And two, just to like give them a chance to expand or ask clarifying questions on that to see like if it's a good fit. And then... Most of the time, she would either be like, Oh, yeah, I have a really good vibe. This person, like, she would explain kind of like, there's a couple of deal breakers for us. So just kind of explain and make sure that that's okay with them. We don't allow somebody to work for us who has another private practice because it's a conflict of interest. And so we would just kind of verify that and then make sure like availability is something that works within what what our openings are. So as long as they sounded great and they didn't sound like crazy. <laughs> She was like, okay, I feel good. And she would just go ahead and put them... Like schedule them with me. If she had questions, she would forward their responses. She'd do like a little summary and send it to me. And I would take a look and let her know whether or not I felt like that was a good idea to meet with them. Because I do get that... On one hand, it's like I really subscribe to the if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And at the same time, I understand that people get very nervous in interviews. So I give a little leeway there. But I also don't want to waste my time. As long as there was some congruency in their answers and they understood clearly our deal breakers, then we would bring them in. Love it. Okay. So have the application. Ideally, a phone screening. You didn't have that this time. Your first interview, you said you're really asking questions or getting a a sense of their personality, their ability to be somebody in a room with clients type of a thing. And then during the second interview, you're really asking questions to get a sense of their actual skills. So I would imagine you have, after all these years, some sort of forms or guide that help you go through each of those interviews, like kind of like at least your standards that you've created over these years, right? Yes and no. And that was part of the problem because I'm a very like wing it kind of person. I'm very like, ah, just off the cuff and whatever. And I realized that creates issues. And it also meant I feel like I could have tightened up my interviews and done them a little bit shorter. I don't want to rush it because this is somebody who's an important person in the team and we're a small team and it impacts... I want personality to mesh. I want to give it space. But at the same time, there's no reason to draw it out if I'm not being like a little more clear. So this time, I actually did start writing that stuff down. I have a checklist, which I did not have for that first interview. The second interview, like I said, if it's an administrative person, I would be kind of testing... And you don't have to do this in the interview. It could be separate. But you're testing their skill set that they're claiming to have. I remember doing that back in my corporate days where we used Excel all the time because we did like affiliate payments and tracking of numbers. And then I would say, Okay, we have a quick little Excel test. And it was the simplest thing. And people would freak out. Because people, you know, they would be embellishing, right? So I feel like that's always a good thing just to catch people and kind of just to make sure that it's just another way of verifying. I will say, I just want to say something that I feel is really important in that phone screen or in the application screen for my practice coordinator, which was like essentially my intake admin assistant person. I couldn't believe how many people applied and did not follow the directions. And occasionally I would read an application and be like, Oh, they sound amazing on paper, but they did not follow the directions. And therefore, they have no attention to detail. And frankly, they're going to be a pain in my butt. And I know I've done it before. I've hired those people and they're so much work and they're a drain. And then it sucks to have to let people go. 
I was like, oh gosh, I feel like it's like 95% of people. I calculated it. It was 99.5% of people did not follow directions. Are you kidding me? And I'll tell you, if you're not confident, if you're not ready to stick by that, it could be so hard to say, no, nope, I'm just going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep waiting because you're like, oh my gosh, I need this person filled. And you see these theoretically great people on paper, but they're not following directions. I ended up only getting three people who followed directions out of over 60 something applications. And then I shut the application off. Oh my God. Yes. That's astounding to me. Isn't that? It's so sad. I interviewed three people and two of them were so amazing. I could literally could not decide. Now, if I had to, I could choose one, but I realized I had the need and the space to hire both. So I decided to hire both. But I, it was really hard. And even bringing them back for their second interview even made it harder. So it was, wow. they were just that good. But you got to hold out. Like That was the best lesson because I've done that where you're like, Oh, but I'm so desperate. I really need somebody. They're good enough. And that has never worked out well for me. Ever. You know, you know what I you kind of created the similarity between parenthood and this process from before. I will create the similarity between this and attracting true love in your life. I'm a big believer in this. There was absolutely the stage of my life of like the dating years, right? And like really wanting true love and not having it. And there is such <laughs> you could probably laugh at me right now, but like there's such a pressure when you're lonely and really want to be in a great relationship to take the person who's good enough or what I used to call like, he's 80% amazing. And I'm like, "Ah, I mean, do I want 80%? Like I don't want 80%. And it's disheartening. Like you have to make hard decisions there when you see a red flag on the second or third date or something like that. And you're like, just no. I mean, you could have all these other amazing things. But if it's like a serious non-negotiable that you see... Like you just can't ignore that stuff and you have to be willing to say goodbye, not have it, not have the interview, not say yes to the application and have a longer time, let's say, without the need that you really have in order to get to the cream of the crop. I really believe that. I think that's such a great example and it's so true. I mean, that is my specialty is relationships and marriage counseling and just relationship counseling and how many people I see that that's the case for them where they're in these relationships where it doesn't feel... And it's hard to walk away from somebody who you like care about, but it's not the right fit. That's really hard. It's easier to say no in the beginning is my experience. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, so, during another topic of an interview, yes, exactly. probably with the margarita, margaritas uh. post-pregnancy, we will have the conversation <laughs> of what the full circle look like of this mm-hmm. is during like the dating scene and how I attracted my husband into my life. Because it is like... the It's exactly that, right? So Yeah. But uh-huh. I, I think it is one of the harder things. And especially when you've had bad experiences or... You're you're so desperate for help. Yes. And I've known there were periods where if I had had an assistant, I would have made more money even though they don't technically bring in money because it would have streamlined so much and I lost revenues because of things. And so it's like I can see it and yet it's still really hard to say no when you're feeling desperate. So, so okay. So you found these two amazing individuals. I would love to hear your experience and how you plan to onboard. I really want to just make a statement that like we're all constantly in an evolution of doing this better and better, right? Like we've all learned from the pain of the past. Like, what do you mean you don't just shove them in and like, here you go, see you later? Because <laughs> now you're busy and now I can <laughs> now I can go work and you can take care of all of that. So I'm assuming that's not what you're doing this go round. <laughs> that, is, that is what I would like to do because I would like to be like, here is the phone. Now go away and do your job. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm busy. I'm busy. And you were amazing. So I'm just assuming that by osmosis, you know everything that you should do, right? Yes. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about your onboarding process and how you plan. And I'm sure it leads into how you've done this successfully in the past. How do you onboard in a way to create the smoothest transition from new hire to solid employee? Yeah. And again, you're right. It is always ongoing. And I feel like that's another one of those things where even though I might have it like 70% done, there was room to document. (laughs) So that's been the theme of this hiring round because I don't want anything to be the mental barrier for me to be like, no, I don't want to do it. Because frankly, if someone's on my schedule for an interview, I'll do it because I show up for people. But it's all the other mindset stuff that like, oh, I'll get to it. And then it never happens. Yes. So yeah, once they go through all the vetting, which by the, I do want to add real quick, part of this process was the reason I like my assistant to do the phone screen and the reference checks. And she's also the person that sends the rejection email because it distances it and it makes it less personal. And I have written up a template that rejects somebody at every stage because that was the other thing. Because I was like, Oh God, how do I send this person something? And I feel bad because you know I feel bad. I like people. And so it was so easy to pop in their name and their email address and just have it sent off to them. And then it was like, it's done. It doesn't linger on my brain or my mental to-do list and create weight for me. So I think that that's a really important thing. And that's the kind of automization that I'm kind of talking about. That's a beautiful tip. I love that. That just creates that distance and space and just makes it easier for you. So then onboarding, what I typically do, I think about like what were my favorite ways of being onboarded back in my corporate days. So one thing I always try to do is schedule a thing where, you know, we're doing like the paperwork stuff that you have to do. I get them all signed up for everything. Now, hope my plan going forward is that my assistant will do all of the setting them up for things. I never had somebody who is very techie. So even though it's not that hard, so it always setting up their emails, setting up like all of their passwords for all the back office stuff. Yeah. Putting them on Grasshopper, which is our phone system and adding their extension and adding them to our EHR software, adding them to the wiki site, all of that stuff. So I will have the assistant do all of that. And I will have them do that beforehand. So when the person comes in, it's all ready. As it is now or had been, I would do it when they show up because I can only focus when someone's here. I'm busy and I always mean to pre-do things, but I don't. So I <laughs> work in progress. I always want to. So they come in, we do the paperwork, things you have to get them all set up with everything. And then I always do a meal, whether it's a lunch or a dinner. And so that we can go, I try to bring as much of the team that's available that day as possible. And just go so that we can kind of get to know each other more and talk and just kind of make it like a nice welcome. I have thought about like, are there other things I could give people at the welcome? That's something I would like to do. The one thing I do for my therapist, well, actually everybody, is I give them business cards, but that usually is not done on their first day. So it comes in after. And then I buy a little engraved business card holder, a little silver business card holder too. It's like a nice little welcome to them. So when they go network, they have something pretty. Beautiful. (laughs) Love it. Or, you know, manly. Because there are are men too. Sophisticated. Yes. Sophisticated. (laughs) I like that. So that's part of it. Then it's literally walking them through the process of what do I expect from the client experience? And so I've piecemealed my operations manual together. And this also will go on the wiki site, which will be like an intranet for the employees where it has like client forms and employee forms and their policy manual and all of that. I will say... 
that was the one project I was going to finish was really solidify my operations manual, which can always be a work in progress. But I'm close, but I'm not there. And so I hired an HR consultant. And he is going to go over all of my documents just to make sure everything's legal and everything... I've crossed all my T's. But it also allows me to take the pressure off of feeling like I need to make everything perfect. And I can just pass it off to somebody to kind of make sure they give that final check. Yeah. Love that. So once the onboarding process begins, then I would imagine it's a matter of like being with each individual and scheduling out time to make sure over the course of days, weeks, months even, that they're assimilated a little bit more, that they know a little bit more of the expectations, that they kind of have the consciousness of like what they are there to do and how to act doing it, right? Yes. So when I have associates or pre-licensed people, I have to meet with them every week. That's part of their requirement. So I'm meeting with them one to two hours a week. And that gives us a chance to kind of do that. I am really available by text because I'm always so overloaded in email. I'm always available for questions. But the goal of the operations manual is to try to answer as many questions as possible so that I don't have to be bothered with it. But there's always going to be things that come up. And obviously, when I'm hiring a therapist, just like if you hired like an in-house designer, they know the design job. They know that. But they need to know how your policies and procedures go. It's kind of that kind of stuff. Or doing like little mini training on our EHR, which is our uh, electronic health record. So on that one, what I would suggest, if you have things you need to train people on... I've done printed versions, but not everybody's great at following directions, right? So I like recorded little videos of me doing stuff so that that way they could go back and watch the video. I think it's stuff like that where it's like you've done this a million times. So why not just record a little video and then that's there for them to reference. Do a little tutorial that... Yeah, do it once and that way everyone can access it. Yeah. And for like the intake people who are dealing with clients, and this would be the same for anybody who has customers, right? It's like, there's a name for it. It's like a wrap something. I can't remember the name. For some reason, it's escaping me lately. But it's like, they call in, they say this, here are our answers. They say this, here's the response to that. So we have a little sheet that goes through pretty much all of that stuff for people so that they can reference it. But yeah, it does take time and you do have to be available to your employees, which much to my chagrin. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Okay. Two really important questions. Number one, do you do things after having employees for six years? How big is your team now? Right now we have six people and I'm hiring four more. Gotcha. Okay. So your team is growing considerably. Do you do stuff now to regularly meet with each individual, regularly have some sort of a annual or biannual assessment for each individual, some sort of even informal way that you're like making sure that everything's okay. What does that look like for you now? Yes. Okay. That was another weak point of mine. Basically, there were some people that I was naturally meeting with like an assistant because we're getting together to go through projects and stuff or the associates. But my licensed therapists, they really had to reach out to me and ask for time, which I was always available for. But I find that people are not so great about reaching out and asking for time. And so if they wanted more than just like a quick... Sometimes it would be happenstance and we would both be free and we would have time to chat. But I am going to... Going forward put on at least once a month that I meet for maybe like a 30-minute meeting with each licensed person and then really make it clear to them that if they need extra time, they just need to ask for it. But I think by creating some of that time 
already, it kind of gets them in the the mindset and the habit of it to know that that's really okay. Because you know, a lot of people they oh, I don't want to burden you or I don't know. But if there's something scheduled, then they can show up and bring it. So I think that that's really important. As far as we were doing like a monthly meeting, but it was really hard because all of our people work like therapists will work like two to three days a week, and so finding a time that works for everybody is really tough. So I would love to do it more often, but we're doing like a twice a year thing where we go and do an outing, like team bonding kind of thing, which again, just makes people feel more connected and opens the doors for things. I had not been doing evaluations. And that was a huge mistake. And that is something that I've built in to this new hiring process. It's been part of the what to expect here kind of thing. So I will be doing a official yearly review and kind of a like an unofficial check-in at the half year because I really did drop the ball on that. I was so in the weeds. I was like, I don't even have time to think about that. And and also there were times where I knew I needed to let someone go. And I was just kind of like... And you couldn't face it. <laughs> no, I was like, they're good enough. I mean, they weren't great. But like that's not the kind of people you want on your team. The like They're good enough. And so again, it just highlights that I have to make more space so that I can deal with this stuff because it is important. Well, and that leads me to the ultimate question, which is building your team consciously now requires that you make a serious shift in who you're showing up to be in your business every day. Because I would imagine that this desire for growth allows you to spend your time more on the business building or some of the other projects that you have going on, the the related projects, the My Biz Bestie podcast that you have with Melissa, which is amazing. And I'll put the link in the show notes for that. Thecouplesfix.com, just like, uh, like all of the other areas that you are wanting to nurture right now. So what has that been like? Although it may not be happening in this exact moment, as you continue building your team it is and onboarding your team, it is slowly happening and your mindset has to get wrapped around like, how am I showing up here? Because it's soon not going to be back-to-back clients. It's soon going to be, I'm going to have a different role here. Yeah. And I will, I will say it's scary because I feel like I'm a great therapist and I can retain clients. I know that I can make money that way. And so the idea of cutting back on my clients... So my direct income, right? Like, Because I know I will definitely have that income. To rely on other people is scary. But it's necessary because if I do want to be showing up in a way that supports them and makes them feel valued and nurtured in a way that will make them want to stay... I have to do something different because it's it is just too much. And I think I would always be like, "Oh, it's only 15 hours a week." And then you realize like, "Well, it's actually more than that, but it also that's still a significant amount of time when you're doing lots of different things." And so it has been a struggle for me to trust that and to feel like, "Okay, that's possible." But part of it is that mistrust was actually impacting. It was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy by not trusting that people will show up and I just keep working my you know, butt to the bone, then it's like, well, then they're not going to show up you know, unless you get those few unicorns, <laughs> which yeah. I advocate hiring unicorns. I think, <laughs> I think anyone would. Do you have the word unicorn on your, on your application? <laughs> awesome. You're hired. <laughs> I know. I know. There, I did actually infuse a lot of humor in the application to like let people know what to expect, right? Because Good. that's part of the culture. Like I had to know. Like I do ask questions. Like I ask if people are okay with the F word because... <laughs> And I say, I never say it at people, but I will sometimes sit at my desk and be dropping F bombs. And if I said, if this, if that makes you uncomfortable, this isn't the right place to work. Like, I think you need to do things like that to like weed people out. Like, the one question that most people failed, it was like, 
title the subject line of your application, amazing practice coordinator position. You're kidding me. That was one, that was the thing. <laughs> that and a cover letter with some questions. But yes. So I do think it's scary. It's scary. But that was part of it too. When I was interviewing, I had a really great talk with somebody who pointed out I was going into my interviewing yet again with this feeling of dread and like, oh, I'm not going to find anybody like concern. And I really had to shift that because that was going to impact how I show up, like who was coming in. I know that sounds a little woo woo, but I really do think that how we're showing up is going to impact others. So I really went in thinking like there are more unicorns out there and I know this is possible. And there are ways to find people who show up and do their job and want to stay with someone long-term that treats them well. So I really consciously worked on that mindset stuff. Love it. That's huge. It's huge in all aspects of business and in all aspects of life, like how you show up to something. It's so cliche, but are you going to look at the glass half empty or half full? Or how are you going to take a look at it? Therefore, how are you going to show up? Therefore, how are you infusing that energy into what you're getting back? Yes. And that's the thing. And I was letting fear... And I know this as a therapist, like when I was spinning in my fear as opposed to taking action. And so I just started taking action. But I also built it so that the next time the fear comes up, I won't be the linchpin. I will not stop that because it will be this automatic process that happens. And so we just move forward. And I've hired amazing people before and you're going to get bad people. And I have... Oh, I have. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a post show that's like oh the private goodness. sessions after this of oh, just like all the bad like stories. Like the worst horror stories. You're like, really? You're like, you have a PhD. What do people who are hiring high school students go through? So, um, but yeah, I definitely, I want to remove any of those barriers that yes. I'm yet come up for me. And so I feel really good about that. I feel like this time I have a really good handle. And then look, like I went through the last time I posted this job position in like, I want to say it was in like March-ish. Yeah, March. I got like nothing, like no good responses. And this time, it's been really awesome. Obviously, I'm bringing on a ton of people. And so, and that's only because they're amazing. I wouldn't have brought on an 80 percenter. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so... Well, congratulations on the two amazing individuals that you found right now. And it sounds like you are well on track for attracting the other four that you really need. So thank you so much for being here and for giving us a really nice in-depth view as to how you've gone through that, what your process is. And I think it's really, really helpful for anyone who is bringing on their first employee or bringing on their 20th or their 50th employee. I mean, we're constantly trying to get better and better at this and just pick up little things here and there that can really smooth out the process. So thank you so much, Amber. I love you, girl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. I never take it for granted that you, a very busy and high-performing woman entrepreneur, listens to the Biz Women Rock podcast. If you got any value out of today's show, if there were any aha moments that you had... I would so appreciate you turning around and sharing it with another woman entrepreneur who needs that aha as well. From me and the entire Biz Women Rock team, we'll see you on the next episode.